morning, everybody. Again, let's open our Bibles, John chapter 15, oh, 16, I'm sorry, 16, John chapter 16, and then, I know this is going to mess me completely up, but I want to also, before we start our John 16 study, I want to just read from Psalm 124. So if you want to turn there as well, keep your hand in Psalm in John 16. But such a powerful psalm. They're all powerful, of course, but this one is uh, so important. Psalm 124, it says, If the Lord had not been on our side, let Israel say, If the Lord had not been on our side when men attacked us, when their anger flared against us, they would have swallowed us alive. The flood would have engulfed us. The torrent would have swept over us. The raging waters would have swept us away. Praise be to the Lord who has not let us be torn by their teeth. We have escaped like a bird out of the fowler's snare. The snare has been broken and we have escaped. We are free. And our help is in the name of the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. That's powerful, isn't it? Our help is in the name of the Lord. That's where freedom comes. That's where, you know, the snare is broken in the name of the Lord. Back in John 16 now, uh, we looked last week where we saw that the Holy Spirit, uh, his ministry, his mission really was to point to Jesus. He said that he will testify about me. That's what the Holy Spirit would do. The counselor, this helper, this comforter, he would bring us to Jesus. The Holy Spirit who would be with us forever, who would be with us, who would be in us, teaching us all things, he would be pointing to Jesus because Jesus is our greatest need. He's our Savior and he's he's the the one who, for us as human beings, he, he makes life. He brings us life, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. John the Baptist pointed to Jesus. The disciples, they point to Jesus. This Jesus who died, who suffered and died on that cross for us, who rose from the dead, who ascended into heaven. This one whom God appointed, God appointed as the judge of the living and the dead, we read. The Savior of the world, the one who salvation is found in no one else. Acts chapter 4 tells us, For there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. So the Holy Spirit is witnessing to Jesus because He is our hope. He's our only hope. So today we're moving on. We're going to still be talking about the Holy Spirit in in a couple of different fashions. One, uh, why Jesus had to leave so the Spirit could come. And then secondly, that the Spirit, and the world. But we see that in this, he's still pointing to Jesus. He's still pointing to Jesus. So let's pick it up here in chapter 16, where we left off in verse 5 and 6. Let's look at those verses together first. Jesus said, Now I am going to him who sent me. Who sent him? Yet none of you asks me, where are you going? 
Because I have said these things, you are filled with grief. Jesus said, and I, I'm, I'm going to the one who sent me, the Father, as you said, to God the Father. And, and I, you have to ask the question, didn't they know these things? Didn't they remember? Didn't they get it? Uh, you know, whenever I read these things, I think, boy, it's just so like us. You know, Jesus will say something and, and you know, we just don't always get it. We don't listen. We're not paying attention. He says, none of you ask me, where are you going? The, the, actually, the truth is that Peter did ask in chapter 13. He asked, where are you going? But he never waited for the answer. He just moved on to his thing. He moved on to what he wanted to, to talk about. That is so like us, too. We pray, and we don't wait for the answer. We talk to Jesus, we ask him about it, and then we just move on to our thing, to what I want, to what I feel instead of waiting for the answer. It takes patience to wait for the answers, doesn't it, sometimes? You know, you ask somebody a question sometimes, and if they don't, they have to think about it, and you don't want, you don't want to wait. I want the answer. I want it right now. And sometimes we don't want the answer anyway, so we'll just move on anyways. One person said they weren't really interested in where he was going. They were only thinking about their own grief says there, we read it, because I've said these things, you're filled with grief. They were thinking about themselves and how it would affect them. They weren't really thinking about Jesus that much. Now that's not like us, right? We're always thinking about the other person. We're always caring how they feel and what they want and what's going on with them. Isn't that the case? I'm being facetious, if you know what that means. I don't, but I, I like throwing around big words. <laughs> We're usually consumed with what I think, what I want, the, what I'm feeling at that moment. You know, he, he talks about grief there, and, and grief is a very real thing. He said, you are filled with grief. Uh, the New King James says, sorrow has filled your heart. And, and, you know, most of us have experienced that. We know what it's like to have grief. And sorrow and pain and, and sadness. We know about that. Why? Because why, why were they feeling that? Because he said, I'm going to leave you. Right? It's that separation that he was talking about there when they were separated. But they, 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 again, they were focusing on just how they were feeling at the time instead of thinking and listening to everything that Jesus was saying because it was a much bigger picture, wasn't it, than just the fact that he was leaving. I'm leaving, you're on your own, goodbye. That's it. Now, you know, in this life we face people die and people move away and, and we're separated from people and and. and you know, it, it's difficult to deal with. But Jesus, he's kind of in a different category. Well, he's not kind of, he is in a different category because he had a much bigger, more, more uh, fulfilling plan, you see. I like Matthew Henry, you know that. What did he say? He said, they were in too, too intent upon the occasion of their grief. It is the common fault and folly of melancholy Christians to dwell upon the dark side of the cloud and turn a deaf ear to the voice of joy and gladness. Is that, is that you? Is that me? How often do we do that? We focus on the, the, the dark side, the negative side, 
the grief, the pain that we're feeling. We miss out on, on all the rest. And, and Jesus had, had spoken about it. He said, he had said to them in chapter 14, he says, I'm, I'm going to leave, but I'm not going to leave you as orphans without someone there for you. He said, I will come to you. He also said that, you know, you will, will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to what? To joy. Why? Because of what he was going to do. Because of the cross, because of the resurrection, because of him returning to them, because of the Holy Spirit being sent to them, because of the fact that he would also return. There's so much on the positive side, but so often we get focused and locked in on the negative side. Isn't that true? The dark side of the cloud we look at. But Jesus said, look at verse 7. He said, but I tell you the truth. And he was making a real point there. When he says that, that phrase, I, but I tell you the truth, he always tells us the truth, but he, when he uses that phrase, he says it's, it's very important that you listen. He says, it is for your good that I am going away. And unless I go away... The counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So he said it was for your good. Something that they were so full of grief over. Jesus had said this to them. They, they, you know, they didn't understand it. They said, no, but you're supposed to set up the kingdom. You have, you know, you're supposed to do this and this, but you know, you're just going to leave us? They were so focused on that. But Jesus said, he said, but it is for your good that... I am going away. You see, what they thought was so horrible, so terrible, so bad, so grievous, was for their good. I don't know about you, but, but I see that in, in life all the time. In my life, the, the things that I think, this is, this is bad. This is really bad, what's happening right now. But, but so often, Jesus turns it around for good, and we know what Romans 8.28 says. What does Romans 8.28 say? I hope you quote a little stronger than you mumble it out here today. <laughs> because, because to know it, to not just, well, I think maybe a little fun, for all things work together for good to those that love God. That's, the, that's the, what the Bible says. And again, we're holding on to the promises, not what we see, not what we feel, but what the promises of God are. That all things work together for good. I don't see how that could possibly happen. And I certainly don't feel that right now. But the promises of God are that all things work together for good. That God's going to bring something good out of it. And, and this is a, a prime example right here in John 16. He says, uh, you know, it's for your good. It's for your good that I'm going away. I, I love that example of Joseph in Genesis, you know, chapter 50. He, he speaks about it twice, really. But in Genesis 50, he says, you know, you intended to harm me. He's speaking to his own brothers. You intended to harm me. You wanted to hurt me. But God intended it for good, to the saving of many lives. 
God was going to use that. Even though you wanted to just destroy me, they thought they had destroyed him, really. And all of a sudden, he turns up alive and, you know, in charge uh, of Egypt and, and in charge of all the supplies of food for, you know, the saving of many lives. In this particular case, what does he say? He says, unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. It's kind of washed out up there, but it says, for our good. I didn't have time to fix that. The counselor, unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. So, so why did Jesus have to go away? He says it very clearly here. He, he went away so that the Holy Spirit could come. So that the Holy Spirit would come. Now, what is the difference? Step back for a second and think about this, the difference between Jesus being here and the Holy Spirit being here. There's a very big difference. Now, they're both God. We know that. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. But what is the, what is the main difference? Anybody know? The Holy Spirit would live inside of us. Yeah, what else? Anybody else? Jesus took on a body of flesh. He took on a human body, right? He took the form of a servant, it said. So, in other words, he limited himself to being in one place at one time because he was there physically, right? So... He could only speak to one person at one time, or one group of people at one time. But when he left and he sent the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is unlimited. Unlimited reach. Unlimited access. And, 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 as, and as Larry pointed out, not only that, but he actually can come and live inside of us, you see. But that could not happen until Jesus went through the cross and the resurrection, and then the ascension. So, so why did Jesus have to leave? So that the Holy Spirit could come. We've been talking about all the things that the Holy Spirit does in our lives, and, and now he goes on to talk about what the Holy Spirit would do in the world. He, he, he still points to Jesus, as I mentioned already, but he has some, some very interesting things. And look at verse 8. What does it say there? In verse 8 it says, when he comes, not if he comes, but when he comes, what? He will convict the world of guilt in regard to three things. In regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. So he's going to bring this conviction. He's going to bring this conviction to the world. This, this word convict means to expose, to refute, to uh, convince, to bring this conviction to bring it to light. He's going to bring that to this world. And we, we've been talking about the world, and, and the world, you know, has a different definitions in terms of like just the, the planet or uh, all human beings or this world system that is in uh, rebellion and, and fighting against God. He says he's going to bring this conviction to the world and and you could say it's mainly to that group but because he goes on to say you know that he's going to speak to those that, that don't believe but I think he brings conviction to the whole world too and that's really what brought us but does that mean we you know 
If it's only the world that is in rebellion, does that mean we don't face conviction anymore? No, I think we do. I think the Holy Spirit is still working in us to convict us of these things and more. But he was going to bring to light the sin and the righteousness and the judgment. Now, is that something that the world in rebellion wants to hear? No. We, we saw way back in John 3 that they hate the light. Why? Because their deeds would be exposed. The bottom line about all of this, these three things, we're going to look at each one quickly, is that we need Jesus. We need Jesus. Look at the first one. What is it? He says, in regard to sin, verse 9, because men did not believe in me. In regard to sin, because men did not believe in me. It wasn't so much, you know, individual violations or sins. Not specific deeds, but this number one sin, I think... is, is because people do not believe in Jesus Christ. They do not put their trust in Him. That's the number one thing. Again, so the Holy Spirit is still pointing to Jesus. Pastor Chuck said there's only one deadly sin, and that is the sin of not believing in Jesus Christ. There's only one deadly sin. There's all kinds of sins, of course, but the the number one sin, this is what the Holy Spirit is coming to to convict and to bring to light, to expose, to convince, and bring conviction about. One Bible teacher said this, the essence of sin is unbelief, which is not simply a casual incredulity or not believing, nor difference of opinion, but rather it's a total rejection of God's messenger and message. A total rejection of God's messenger and message. That's what we're talking about. It's what the Holy Spirit comes to bring. This conviction of the sin, the number one sin. This is the number one sin. As, as, as application to our own lives, too, does the Holy Spirit still convict us when we don't believe or trust? I think He does. He really does. And I say that all the time, but He's saying, you know, He's asking us, will you trust me? Will you believe me? Will you listen to me? The second thing, righteousness, and, and we we kind of not sure about that uh, Word, we think it's, you know, somebody who's just doing all kinds of righteous things and everything. We, we kind of look at it that, but the, the, the English word righteousness comes from the old English, which was right wiseness. Right wiseness. In other words, really what it's about is be, to be right. And really the, the, the thing in terms of what the Bible teaches about righteousness, it's about being right with God. Number one, primarily. Secondarily, right with other people. And and thirdly, right with ourselves. But number one, righteousness is to be right with God. And, you, you know, in and of ourselves, we can't do that. Why? Why can't we be right with God? Anybody know? Because we're sinners. Say it out loud. We are sinners. We, we can't be right with God. Paul said in Romans, and, and Romans is kind of the book that you know, gives this doctrinal statement about you know, the fact that we are lost and we need Jesus Christ. 
He says, for in the gospel, that's the gospel of Jesus, of course, a righteousness from God is revealed. A righteousness that is by faith, believing, trust, from first to last, beginning to end, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Not by works, not by deeds. He went on later to say this righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There's no difference for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The righteousness that makes us right with God is Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross. So the world would bring that. And again, is that something that the, that the world is happy to hear? The world doesn't even like to use the word sin. It, it is, is kind of like redefined words. And I keep hearing about it all the time where these major dictionaries are redefining words. They're, they're redefining words according to what we think today and some of the weird ideas. It, you know, it, it's just absolutely strange. But to be right with God, there's only one way, and it's through the righteous one. Isaiah 53 said, After the suffering of his soul, that is Jesus, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. He will rise from the dead, in other words. And by his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. This righteous one, he's the only righteous one. None of us are. None of us have any righteousness. But he... The righteous servant will justify many, you and me. The Holy Spirit, again, he's pointing to Jesus. He will convict the world in regard to righteousness because I am going to the Father where you can see me no more. The death, the resurrection, and the ascension of Jesus Christ, the one that we need. The third and final thing he speaks about here in this passage is about judgment. What does he say? He says of judgment in regards to judgment. Because the prince of this world now stands condemned. The prince of this world now stands condemned. He he, he tells us, and it's kind of an interesting way he brings it about. He says, the enemy, he's done. His judgment, he stands condemned. He's already judged. He's already defeated. And, and of course, he, this all happened at the cross and the resurrection. He, he spoke about it earlier in chapter 12. He said, now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. But it's by Jesus, right? Paul talks about it in Colossians. He said he disarmed the powers and authorities. He made a public spectacle of them triumphing over them by the cross. He beat, he conquered, he triumphed over the enemies, over Satan by the cross. It said that in Hebrews chapter 2, he said, by his death, that he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. You see, Jesus is the victor. Again, it's pointing to Jesus as he conquered, as he, by the cross and the death at the cross, and by his 
resurrection from the dead and by his ascension he, he proved who he was he showed who he was and 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 this is where our hope lies jesus the victor in the book of acts chapter 17 it's a fascinating chapter but he says he that is god has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. Who's that? That's Jesus. And of this he has given proof to all by raising him from the dead. Now when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked. says some of them sneered or mocked, but others said, we want to hear you again on this subject. So we see that this, this conviction about the judgment, there is going to be a judgment, but it's all wrapped up in who? In Jesus Christ. He will judge the world with justice by the man that he has appointed, this one Jesus Christ. So again, it all points to who? It all points to Jesus Christ, the sin of not believing in him of righteousness, that the only way that you and I can be right with God is through His Son, Jesus Christ. And that judgment is coming. Judgment is coming. There's no doubt about it. He has judged, and there is also a future judgment to come. One last question I want to ask as I was thinking about this, because he says that the Holy Spirit is going to do this in the world, right? How does He do that? How does, he, how does he get that to the world? Number one, us. Number one, us. Through us. We saw in chapter 15, he, he, he said that the Holy Spirit was going to testify about Jesus, and then he said, you also must testify. You also must, must share it. So it, really, it, it comes... The Holy Spirit is working, and, and the Holy Spirit was sent to live in us, right? And so if the Holy Spirit is now bringing conviction to the world, primarily it's through us. Not only, the first answer that I have for that question, by the way, is however he wants, right? How is he going to do it? However he wants. But he, he's chosen to use us as one of his means. Maybe the primary mean, means. By our lives. How, that's why you know, we talk so much about you know, how do we live? What kind of a witness do we have? What, what kind of words are we speaking? And, and are we you know, uh, speaking about this one called Jesus? And are we standing on the word of God in, in our lives? Are we refusing to compromise? People see that. The world around us sees how we live, what we say, what we do. Now again, our salvation is, isn't built on any of those things, and we're saved by grace always, beginning, middle, and always. But God will use us by His Holy Spirit. Larry Richards says this, he says, He does so by working through us. We are the channels. We are to make a stand, and by standing, enable the Spirit of God to speak to the world. There's nothing you and I can do to convict the world we live in. It is our lives infused by the Spirit's power and displaying heaven's grace. 
So to be available, to be used by God to, to speak to the world. I think the, the, the other thing that I, I also mention as we close here is that God also speaks through creation. Paul talked about it in Romans 1 as well. He said, the, you know, the, what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. You see, the, the creation itself speaks about the glory of who God is. The Spirit is going to speak to the world however He wants to, but you know what? It's kind of exciting when He speaks to us, although not everybody, right, is going to receive that message. I read it to you. Some sneered, and others said, we want to hear you again on this subject. Well, let's be bold, because we don't know how much time we have, and, and really the answers for this world are found in a relationship with Jesus Christ and only in a relationship with Jesus Christ. I said it uh, a couple times in the last couple of days is that, you know what, in these days that we live, it's going to be tested about who we really are and, and, and what our faith is really like. Do we really trust Jesus? Are we really His? Are we really, really willing to, to follow him, no matter what the cost? Let's pray together, shall we? Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. And it is challenging. It's challenging in so many different ways. But, but you haven't given up on the world. You are bringing conviction and bringing things to light in the world by your Holy Spirit. And whatever means he chooses to use about these these things, sin, our, our sin of not trusting, believing in you, our lack of righteousness, we're just not right with you. About the judgment, the judgment for sin that was upon that cross, it's all about Jesus, it always is. Jesus, we come to you now and and we confess our own failings even in this day, the, the battles we've faced today and, and, and our lack of trusting you and holding on to you with all that we have and all that we are. And we come to you now, we, we say, Jesus, forgive us and, and give us the strength now to walk with you and follow you in this a very uncertain age, it's very uncertain time. Maybe there's some that have never surrendered, never said yes. Maybe you're still in that place of not believing in him, but, but you can today surrender your life to Jesus and, and ask him in and, and, and receive him and believe in him today. You can, you can pray with me right now. Say, Jesus, I... I am a sinner and I am lost and I open my heart to you and I open my life to you. Please come in and save me, rescue me. 
on this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand together, shall we, and sing one final song.